take these mindsets and throw them away and say, if I ever even come close to that kind of mindset, um, I need to really inspect my life. Allow the Holy Spirit to search you. The coming week, going forward, um, I think it is this week, because time flies. Yes, it is. This week towards next week, Lord willing, next week we will have communion. And it will be a brilliant time during this week to really spend quality time. Now we should do this all the time, but this coming week, as you prepare for the Lord's table, to spend quality time in searching your heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to search you and to reveal things about you. Because remember, one of the biggest problems that we all face is we can deceive ourselves way too easily. And do not think that you are without sin. Each and every one, we do have sin. But at the same time, when we look at our sins, also look at your spiritual maturity. Are you growing in the Lord? Are you more mature today than you were yesterday? Do you love God more today than you did yesterday? Uh, do you understand Him more? And I know we will never understand God fully, but do you understand Him more today than you did yesterday? Are you in a constant relationship with God? Because as Christians, not only do we have the amazing hope that we are saved and that we can spend an eternity with God in heaven, but we also have this amazing privilege of living in a relationship with God. We get to call Him our Father. We get to go to Him in prayer. And let's say if we are full of sorrow, let's say in our context of trials, and we just want to be sad. God is a comforting God. Um, I always think of the song that says, um, and I forgot the exact lyrics, um, why do we suffer so much sorrow and hardship if we just take all of our sorrows to God in prayer? I mean, it's such a blessing. And the more mature we become, the more we, we have this relationship with God where we can just go before Him and cry if we have to cry. So many prophets, um, is we, we see cried before the Lord. And in the New Testament, we see people that cried before the Lord. We even see Jesus Himself that kind of say essentially cries before God. We have this privilege. And when we look at the trials that is ahead of us, and if we think of the trials that is coming, if we think of the trials we're currently in, no matter what the trial is, remember that God is a God that builds relationships with us. We do have this amazing privilege to go to Him in prayer. But at the same time, God has been absolutely amazing when it comes to His Word. Because He gives us this large portion of the New Testament explaining to us who we are and that we are sinners. And, and I say, it's the sad, bad news. And then He comes and He reveals this amazing grace that He has given us through Jesus Christ. How He died for our sins and how we can get into this new life and how we can, can I say, become a new being and have eternal life which is amazing but God didn't just stop with salvation he also gives us the tools and he gives us helps to show us how we can live now that we are saved he explains to us how the Holy Spirit works in us that as we walk this walk as we journey this difficult road that is ahead of us he has given us everything in his word to cope with what is coming and Jesus went through trials. He went through a lot. I'm going to look at just a small portion going forward. The Apostle Paul went through a lot. I always think to myself, how did that man continuously preach and evangelize and travel on horseback with the headaches that he must have had? Because going through what he had to go through, me in my human mind as I'm picturing it, he must have had headaches 
every single day and he didn't have a Bernardo back then so imagine just the amount of trials that he had to endure as well and yet within it all he continuously glorifies God he continuously praises God he continuously worships God this is this mindset that that we need as we approach kind of say trials and last week we essentially looked at how we need to approach it and counting it joy because we know that it works patience in us and so last week we looked at the first point in our test of our sanctification in our specifically in our endurance and response to trials in our life and the first thing we looked at is this attitude with which we approach trials every single small big doesn't matter what type of trial have the correct attitude look at it through the biblical worldview look at it through the glasses of christ and not through our flesh because we moan way too easily secondly this is what we'll be looking at this morning is we need to approach and respond to trials in our lives with an understanding mind we shouldn't just jump into life and as a christian now and look at this trial coming expect the trial coming enter this trial but we have no idea what's going on that's not good we need to understand and we need to understand specific things and so what we're doing is we need to take a look at what is James telling us what should we understand now in order to start off I, I wanted to take a look at uh, one word it's a key word here in verse 3 and so turn in to James chapter 1 and we're going to look essentially only at verse 3 this morning before we continue let's just close our eyes and we're afraid Heavenly Father we thank you so much for your amazing word thank you that you give us the ability to look at your word thank you that you give us the ability to understand your word Father most of all thank you for guarding your word and keeping it up until now that we can have it and father as we expound on it and as we study your word we pray and ask that you will help us to understand it help us to make it ours father help us also not to only listen to your word but father give us the ability to act on it father we know that if we just hear and we do not act that we will just forget it again and therefore we pray and ask that you will please help us to remember and to act upon your word and father as i'll be preaching i ask that you will please give me the words will you guide me through your spirit will you give me the wisdom that i need this morning father the same with the church as we listen to your word give each and every one of us the wisdom to understand your word father may your name be glorified in and through everything may your people be edified through your word and may you sculpt us and craft us and mold us into the person that you want us to be father thank you that we can bring this to you knowing that you are the one that is in control and knowing that you are capable of anything and everything for you are the sovereign almighty god and that you are alive and that you are not dead and that you keep your promises and father that you are so far ahead of us you are so much greater that our little minds can't comprehend and therefore we want to thank you that through faith that we can trust in you in jesus name we pray amen verse 3 starts off saying knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience. Remember once again, we are talking about Christians here. We are not speaking about people who are not saved. You do not have, can I say, the ability to enter a trial without the Holy Spirit in this way if you do not have the Holy Spirit. We cannot face trials. We cannot enter into difficulties in life the way that James is explaining it if we do not have an eternal biblical worldview. It is just not possible. And the key word here in verse 3 is this word knowing. Now, the Greek word for this word knowing is the Greek word genusque. The problem is we don't really have an English word that is, can I say, even close to this Greek word. And that's usually the trouble with amazing Greek words is they are filled with definition. They are filled with value and depth that we sometimes do not get if we look at the English only. And so in order to dig into this idea of an understanding mind, we need to start understanding this word genusque first. Now there's three, can I say, primary layers or levels in this word. The first understanding or, or definition of this word genusque is what we will call the majority of the time. It's, it's the most used. It's most likely meaning and to have knowledge gained through experience or relationship. It is an intimate type of knowledge. It is a knowledge that you gain um, over time, and it is a knowledge that is very, very deep. It is actually something based on a personal relationship level rather than an intellectual level. So essentially, if you were to think of it, it is the equivalent of knowing someone by name and having them as your best friend. Right. So the idea of knowing is very deep. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, we find this word. And to really understand this, um, I just want to mention it here. Jesus says that, go away from me, I never knew you. Now, if we looked at that Greek word, it's the word gnosko, and that knew, if we were to just say, you know what, um, but God's supposed to know everything, but now he doesn't know certain people. No. He says he doesn't have really relationship. Jesus doesn't have a personal relationship with this person. Not that he doesn't know about them. So gnosko, when it says knowing this, means we have an idea of experience, a relationship with what we need to know. It is something that essentially, can I say in our terms, comes over time. It has to happen through experience. It has to come through time. It is not just going to happen immediately. You're not just one day going to wake up and say, oh, wow, okay, I just know everything. No, that unfortunately does not happen. Now, the key here to enduring suffering, the key here to endure these trials is understanding that we have to know. We have to experience it. We need to have a rela relationship with something in order to endure these trials. And so we firstly need to understand that we need to learn from our own experiences. Now, sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, oh, why am I making the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again? Firstly, I believe it's because we don't have wisdom. But secondly, it's because we don't look back at our experiences and learn from it. We don't look back and know that, you know what, in this trial, this and this is going to happen. And instead of getting it to break us down, we have to look ahead and say, let's trust in God. Let's know and 
trust in our experience that God has gotten me through the previous one and He's going to get me through this new one. It is, firstly, I need to look at my own experiences, but it goes further than this. And this is where the challenge is for us this morning. You see, one other th aspect of experience is we need to also listen to others. Now, this is where the beauty of the illustration of the church comes into play. You see, the church is referred to as one body. It is not referred to as multiple bodies. It is one body. We are one body, and it is the body of Christ. We are supposed to function as this one unit, as this one body. Too many times, and especially in our modern Western church, we are a bunch of individuals. We aren't there for one another. We don't look at one another as one. And so if somebody over there suffers, we're willing to go and pray for them, and that's about it. That's not good. We are supposed to go to them and be, can I say, at such a point that we trust their experiences as well. See, if I were to look at someone, and I look at a person over there, and I say, you know what, I have a relationship with him, but I only know them by name, would you say that you know them no we only know someone if we build experiences with them if we build a relationship with them think of a best friend think of a spouse all right if you think of the time it takes to really know someone you will realize it happens over time but it also doesn't happen by looking at the Instagram profiles or the Facebook profiles or whatever media is out there you'll never know somebody by just that little bits of information that is put out there that is called head knowledge that's knowledge about someone it's intellectual you can take a celebrity and look at them online and say oh, I know this person I like this person you've got no idea who they are as much as you think you do you've got no idea who they are you only get to know someone when you build a relationship with them through experiences and so the idea here is we need to know, and it comes from experience. And so, let's take, for instance, the scenario of losing someone that's very close or dear to your heart, which is a terrible trial to go through. Some people will go as far as saying, you have no idea what I'm going through. I've heard that many times before. Why aren't you coming to the church? Why aren't you using the body and asking for experiences within the body of Christ to help? See, our pride gets so much in the way because we think we have to deal with everything on our own. Understanding something about the church within our trials will help you through, it will help you endure through this trial. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, we basically read this amazing um, concept and and we speak about the last piece a lot especially seeing the day that we're in we speak about it a lot but it starts off by saying and let us consider and then says how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up a meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more so um, as you see the day approaching this idea of spurring one another up is the idea of taking dry wood and putting it on a fire. Um, 
it, if you've ever made like fire outside or bonfire that's it starts dying off and you have the coals it's red there's no more flames and you take small sticks and you throw the small sticks on then you take bigger sticks and you put it on and then eventually logs you will have flames standing this high that is what it means spurring one another up it is adding fuel to the fire see we will lose our heat we will lose our drive we will run out of energy over time because we have flame that is busy dying we're still just humans. We're still just in our flesh. But together, what happens is, as this person sees, oh no, the flame is going down, the flame is going down, then we are supposed to come in and encourage one another, spur one another up. Sometimes it is with a gentle word. Sometimes it is shaking them. One way or another, we need to encourage one another. But you need to know and you need to understand that the body of Christ is there to help you endure through trials. Test your sanctification. Do you trust that the Holy Spirit is working in every single member of this local body? Do you trust that God is the one that is adding to His church? Or are you saying, I can't trust this church, so I'm going to go to my friend over there because I cannot share with this church. There's no way I'm going I'm to trust it. Because this is sometimes an attitude that people have. I'm not saying you have it, but it's an attitude that we've discovered. The problem is we are supposed to be there for one another. We're supposed to spur one another up. We're supposed to really add fuel to the fire. So how do you endure? The first, I, the, the first concept that we see here through this definition is trust the church. Trust that their experiences is there. We have the amazing privilege to have freedom in this church. Think of the persecuted countries out there. They have two or three people that gather in secret. Why? Why don't they just gather at their homes where it's safe? No. They need to come together. Because it is together where we are a ecclesia. We are set-apart people. We are a body of Christ. We are there that we can edify one another. We worship God together. We psych one another up if we have to. That is what you need to understand first and foremost. So how is your maturity like? Are you contributing in this local church? Are you trusting this local church with your issues? Are you trusting other Christians? Or will you rather go and listen to Dr. Phil? Another thing that we need to remember as well is, and, and as I'm preparing, I, listen, I found this um, verse here, which is so beautiful. Um, in Romans chapter 15 verse 14 it essentially tells us that we have everything that we need as the body of Christ we can teach one another don't think for yourselves that you do not have the ability to do something don't think okay you know what I'm a young Christian I got nothing to contribute no God has saved you if somebody comes to you and if you see something, test it firstly. Don't be arrogant. Don't make unnecessary trouble and stuff like that. Test it and see, am I just going to nip this person or am I going to go with love and make them aware of it? No matter where you are in your Christian walk. Because your maturity climbs as you work in this church and as you deal with one another. God has given you everything. As long as you stick to Scripture you are able to teach one another. You are able to encourage each other. Do so. And if someone comes to you 
and sees that you are down, sees that you're going through a trial, that you are suffering, you need to understand as well that that person is not there to make you worse. Even though at that moment it might feel that way. They are there to lift you up. They are there to encourage you. Listen to them. Secondly, or the second layer essentially is we find that in this word knowing, this gnuskwith, it tells us that we need to know by trial. So firstly, it's experiences, and not necessarily only of ourselves, but sometimes of others. Secondly, it's we need to know by trial. Essentially what this means is we inquire, we examine, or we try and find the reason or cause for something. If you're going through a trial, don't just sit there and say, oh, I'm going through a trial. No, go investigate it. Go find out why are you in this trial. Our spiritual growth will actually benefit quite a bit from it. Let's say, for instance, that you're in a workplace and everybody around you hate you and they can't stand you and they moan about you and you are going through all of this suffering and trials because the workplace is so terrible. Look why. Is it because you're a slanderer? Is it because you constantly gossip? Is it because um, you can't keep your mouth shut? Is it because you're a bad personality that they don't like? Or is it maybe because you're simply a Christian? You will never know the reason or cause if you simply don't go and look and test it. Get the reason or cause for your trial. And you will grow because if you look at it and you're like, okay, but everybody around me doesn't like me because, let's say, I can't keep my tongue in order, which is the majority of the case, the problem. The Bible tells us our tongue is, is like a kindling fire. It's a spark that's going to put something ablaze. We know this. So let's say I cannot control my tongue. And now I'm in this trial and I'm going through this suffering and now I look for the reason why. Now I know why I'm going through this trial. Guess what's the amazing thing? I can repent of it. I can as much as go to these people and humble myself before them and before God and repent before them as well. And tell them I have been made aware of my sin before God and I cannot control my tongue. They might not love you. But the amazing thing is you've made yourself right before God. And as you go through this trial, guess what's happening with your character? God is forming you. What happens if you confess your sins? What happens if you're willing to go as far as humiliating yourself before men for the sake of Christ? He's going to lift you up. Not necessarily before men, but He's going to lift you up. And our spiritual walk with God is going to grow more solid. We're going to have much better strength. Because if I go through a next facing trial and I say, you know what? Last time somebody said something nasty to me, I went off on them. And this is what happened. This time, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And they can shout and scream and do whatever. Then you keep your mouth shut. Next time when they do this to you, you just tell them, this was uncalled for, but God loves you. Because if you've done absolutely nothing wrong and they still get angry at you, knowing that we are Christians and the world will hate us because they hated God first, we can be a witness. And so we need to know, we need to have an understanding that we need to take, how can I say, our trials and test it. Look at the reason why. Look at the cause for our trials. 
Thirdly, in the word GNUSCO, we see that it is understanding or recognizing something without necessarily cognitively, which means you don't necessarily really know intellectually why something is happening. In Luke 8, we see Jesus walking and um, this woman grabs his garment and he stands there. Power came out of him. He knew something happened. He just didn't know who touched him. And this is Jesus we're speaking about. Here comes hail. Um, and so, yes, Jesus saying he knows the word Genusque is being used here, that someone touched him, or power went out of him, but he doesn't know what happened. And so, sometimes a similar thing happens to us. We need to know that when we go through trials, sometimes we might know we're in a trial, we might know something is happening, but we have absolutely no idea why. And so we need to recognize at that moment that there is something happening. I went as far as saying at times we need to be aware of certain things that are happening. We need to be so in tune with, can I say, God and this relationship that we have with God. We must understand that life is full of trials and we need to understand that during these trials certain things happen to us. And so when I see this trial approaching or where I am in this trial at this very moment, we need to be aware of firstly our emotions, which gets in the way so easily. Why? The Bible says that heart is the most deceitful thing above all things. And so our emotions, the heart and the emotions is the same thing. Our emotions is going to lead us astray. Our emotions will get into the way of our trials. Whether it be falling into a lot of sorrow, whether it be falling into a fearful state, whether it's falling into anxiety, whether it's falling into anger, one emotion is probably going to rule your trials. And so we need to be aware of this fact. We might not know why, but just be aware. Recognize the fact that something is happening. And now I'll tie it in with what we said earlier. Go to the church if you don't know why. Pray. Ask God to reveal it to you. And if it isn't being revealed, use the body of Christ. Let's be there for one another. And then the last thing that we need to know is this word gnuskwe also means, can I say, knowing something intimately, deeply, fully. It isn't, can I say, knowing 10% of it or 20% of it. And we will never fully understand the things of life. We will never understand God. We will never understand why trials happen, especially when we're in it. One thing we can understand is the end. One thing we can understand is the promises that God has given us. But we will never understand why God is doing this. That is why the majority of questions is why God when you go through certain sufferings. Because we don't understand these things. And so understanding fully means that we need to build up. We need to grow. It is, it is a process of learning. It is a process of discovery. It is a process of finding the full truth. And therefore never settle. Just go on. Push on. And the more you try and find and discover these truths, the more you will understand what the trial is about. The more you will understand what God is doing. The more you will understand why I am going through this trial. A while back, I remember somebody saying, um, and I myself can kind of share in this, is going through certain trials and later at the end, you know why. But sometimes you enter a trial, and as you enter it, you know exactly why you're in this trial. You just know. You're like, like 
I, I, I should have expected this, to be honest, because you've messed up. You've made a mistake. You should have expected this. And so as you grow spiritually and as you make mistakes, you can almost expect the trial to come. And guess what? Instead of saying, oh, I messed up and this is going to get me down, we can say, God, I am very sorry. I, sh I shouldn't have done this in the first place. I know why I'm going through this specific trial. I know why I'm being tested now. Form me. Teach me through this so that I do not do it again. And so the trials will help us grow spiritually, help us become more mature as we grow through these things. And this is why we say essentially that this second thing is not just knowing. That is why I can't say. This just saying knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. It's more than that. It is this idea of understanding fully this process, this going forward. So what is it then that we should know? Firstly, we need to know that it is God who allows trials for a purpose. Trials don't just come. Things don't just happen for any reason in our lives. There is a purpose for it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this whole chapter essentially, the apostle Paul goes before God and he speaks to God. And at one point he says, Lord, take away this trial from me. And three times he goes, take away this trial. Take away this trial. And God just says, no. I'm not going to take away this trial. I'm, I'm going to give you the grace to endure it, but I'm not going to take it away. My mom constantly reminds me, and she knows what I'm going to mention now, um, or not reminds me, but, but says this when, when we look at some of our trials. God had to send Israel into the desert for 40 years before they reached the promised land. They had to endure a trial for 40 years as God worked through His nation and cleaned His nation and formed them so that they can enter the promised land. 40 years long. That kind of have to remind us that some trials might take very, very, very long. Jesus Himself, what did He do? Just before He got crucified, He goes and He prays and His sweat becomes like blood. For me, this picture always comes to my mind. I'm like... There's no way I can endure something like this. That is why God hasn't chosen a person like me. God had to come himself. Right. But Jesus sits there or kneels there and he kind of say, almost cries out and he prays to God, remove this cup from me, oh Lord. It's the hard cry of his heart. And Jesus understood what he is going to go through. Jesus knew what he's going to go through. Jesus even knew why he had to go through it. He was preaching about him being the Messiah and that he's going to be um, the sacrifice or the offering for sin and that he's going to take away this. And Jesus knew all of these things. Yet, when it came to that time, he's praying, says, God, please take away this cup from me. It's a massive trial. But then he ends and he says, not my will be done, but thine be done. And God in His absolute amazing grace did what with Jesus? In Jesus' flesh, He gave Him everything to endure. And He endured so much that He endured until death. He was obedient up until death. Remember when we looked at Abraham, we said, look at how amazing Abraham is. Because of his faith, he went through this trial, yet he obeyed. He, was, he stood firm. He endured this trial and he obeyed God regardless of 
what is happening in front of them. And so did Christ, knowing what's coming. He was obedient all the way up until death. And not just any death, death on a cross. A brutal, terrible death. But Jesus endured and he went on. things don't just simply happen in our lives we might not always know why remember we might not know who touched but we need to recognize the fact that when we go through trials God has given it and he's allowed it on us for a purpose another thing is when we look at the book of Job we mentioned it last week as well he went through this trial and he said he's going to go through this take it I'm going to go through all of this because I know that I'm going to be like gold in the end. He knew that God is going to keep him through this and he never once forsaken God, never once turned against God and cursed him. But he endured till the end. He knew there's a purpose. He understood that there's a purpose to his trials. The second thing that we need to understand, I only have about three, but there's so much more. The second thing that we really need to understand is that God will not really put us through more than we can endure. Now, I want to make a small note here for a moment. When we read in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, it says, No temptation has taken you but such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted or tested or tried. Same word here. Above what you are able and will always with the temptation, make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. God will always only give us and put us through a trial that we are able to take and he will give us everything that we are able to endure it. It does not mean that it feels that way. I have, as, I'm, as I was looking at this passage to really understand it, I found this word, a way of escape. Now, we, we always look at this thing of, oh, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Or within every temptation, God gives us something and he helps us. But then I see this word, way of escape, and I said, what does this mean? And this beautiful picture came to mind as I'm looking at the definition. Imagine for yourself that you're on this luxury cruise. makes it one of these nice MEC ships. And you're out in the ocean, and there you go, middle sea. And all around is just ocean, 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 ocean. And you're enjoying this luxury cruise. The next moment, there's this massive storm that comes up. And it is waves left, right, and center. And the boat sinks. And you're the only survivor. And out of God's amazing provision and grace, here's this rubber duck. He pops up and you get into this rubber duck. Which means your life is saved. The trial at this moment is, your ship sunk. You're in the storm. It's terrible. It's darkness. It is not fun. And then you're on this rubber duck. God has given you an escape. He hasn't taken the big luxury ship out of the ocean. No, he's given you a little rubber ducky. You're still in the middle of the ocean. You still have no idea where you're at. The storm has just passed. And now you're sitting there. And let's say two days go past. And the scorching sun burns your skin. And you can't touch it. And it's terrible. Now your mouth starts getting dry. And your tongue starts sticking to the top of your mouth or within... Everything because you know when you get thirsty, it's terrible. And you're sitting like, I can't go on. And then, boom, here comes the storm again. And it's this big rain. 
Do you think that rain is going to be a trial? No. That rain is a blessing. You're going to be like, ah, I want as much water as I possibly can get. Your ship isn't sinking. You're still going through the waves. But now what was a trial, what was terrible, the thing that caused you to fall into this deep pit, this deep hole, this terrible trial is a massive blessing. But if you look at it through the eyes of moaning and groaning and saying, God, why again? Isn't this enough? I'm on the rubber duck already. It's been two days without water. Just stop this rain. And it's a God doesn't see and he stops this rain. You're like, oh man, I forgot to get water. <laughs> As a Christian, we need to grow. We need to understand that God brings things on our path to help us. God has a plan. We might not know what it is. And therefore, your boat is sunk. But wow, I got a rubber duck. Okay, I'm thirsty. God brought the same trial my way. Thank you, God. Use it. Be wise about it. Gather as much water as you possibly can. Now, this way of escape, this word basically means this landing place, this safe harbor. Imagine now you are in this water. You've now got your water, but the sun is still scorching. And you have no idea whether or not you're going to get land. And the next moment, all the way over there, you can see the lighthouse. And you know all you need to do is just get to that place. By then, you should be tired. But let me tell you, the chances that you're going to be paddling that little boat is very high. You're going to take every bit of energy in your hand to paddle towards that lighthouse because you see it over there. It doesn't mean you're out of the trial. In fact, that last stretch of paddling towards that safe harbor is going to be more daunting than the time you spend lying on your ship moaning. But you're going to push forward. You're going to endure because you can see that light. It might take you two or three days to get there, but you're going to use every ounce of energy. I can promise you that. And this is essentially what this way of escape is. It doesn't mean that you are in this trial and the next moment God whoops, takes you out of it. It means He's going to give you what you need to endure it. And so we need to understand that God will not give us more than we can endure. And with it, He will give us a way of escape. Thirdly, we need to also understand that we need not to blame others or we shouldn't blame Satan and we shouldn't blame God. We're going to get there later on as well because James specifically speaks about it. But within this context, it is so easy for us to go around and blaming everything around us and playing the victim and saying, oh, but Satan is doing this or Satan is doing that. No, God allows trials on you for a purpose your confidence should not lie in the fact that, oh, I'm the special person. No, your confidence needs to be anchored in the fact that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for everything that happens. And stop blaming things around you. Accept it. The moment we come to a point of acceptance, it's like, can I say, well, the psychologists now mention this a lot. They say the first step to um, recovery or whatever is acknowledging which means seeing the thing and then accepting it and it's amazing how god actually said to us long ago just accept it accept the fact that you're in this trial don't look at it and say oh accept it and grow from it you need to understand that it is god that brings these trials or allows these trials on you 
and at the very end you will see how God has always been in control you might feel like God has lost that control but he hasn't he's keeping this control do not give Satan the glory where it's not due God might allow Satan to tempt you God may allow Satan to come and destroy a lot around you like he did with Job but ultimately God is in control and our confidence needs to lie in the fact that God is and will always be in control. And that's our faith. Because while things doesn't look that way, know for a fact that God is in control. And then the last thing that we need to mention, and as we close here, is that James comes and he says we need to know, we need to understand these things. But at the same time, he goes and he says that understanding this produces patience oh no so firstly we need to do all of this work to understand but at the same time we need to know that it produces it doesn't just happen you're not just one day going to wake up and say wow god thank you i am full of patience wow i can endure anything no it produces it it grows in us it is a process that we're going to go through in order to do this. In closing, I want to give you, I've mentioned one aspect of this experiment before, but I just want to remind you again. A scientist back in the 1960s, well, not really a scientist, he was a psychologist. He took a couple of um, rats and experimented on them. So today it might sound a little bit brutal, but it's an amazing experiment at the end of the day. And in the first condition, what he did in his study was he took some of these rats and he threw them in a bucket of water. And they were squirming and swimming and trying their very best in order to survive and not drown. And as they were about to drown, the scientist takes them out of the water. And he holds them for a short while and he puts them back. And then they swim, 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 and then they just give up. And so the guy looked at him like, okay, you didn't let them drown. They kind of mentioned in the paper as well. So as they give up, and they just he picks them up and he saves them. But as they, as he, they swim, they swim, they try, 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 and then they just like, give up. Then the scientist takes him, puts him back, and they give up very quickly. He was wondering why. So he tried a second test. He took the rats, the second bunch of rats, he chucked them in the bucket. They swim, squirm, struggle, he picks them up, puts them back. Picks them up, puts them back. A while later, picks them up and put them back. And those ones ended up stomping water and trying their very best to come um, out because they knew listen I'm going to get picked up again they're going to be a short little bit of rest for me those that only happened to once that rats that were only picked up once and let down and he let, left them again they gave up but the rats that were picked up two or three or four times they continued longer and so he found that the more times they are introduced to hope the stronger their hope becomes this is us and our trials. The more times we endure trials, the more times we get out of those trials, the stronger our hope in God is going to be. It's going to require several times of almost giving up. Not just, oh, okay, I'm floating. No, almost giving up, then God's going to save us out of it. And the more that happens, the stronger our hope and our endurance is going to become. And then lastly, the scientist looked and he said, it looks like the factor here is hope. And so he took a new bunch of rats and he put them in the water, let them swim, swim, swim. 
pick them up, dried them off, warmed them up, put them back in the water. I swam, I think, almost six times longer. First save, but was an amazing save. So what happens is, if you're going through a terrible trial right now, look at the outcome. Look at the past, how you've been saved. Have that mentality. God didn't just pick you up and put you back into a trial. God picks you up and He gives you everything that you need. He gives you the dryness. He gives you heat. He gives everything that you need to face the next one. And when you face that next one, you're going to face it much stronger. Basically, what we need to do is we need to look past our suffering. We need to look past our sorrows. We need to look past our disappointments. We need to look past these fake illusions, these mindsets that we have. We need to look past dreams that hasn't been fulfilled. Look past your illnesses. Look past death and loss. Look past separation. And look up to the rewards. Look up to how we're going to produce more endurance through these trials. Or how God will produce more um, endurance through us. How we are tested through our faith. Believe that God is so powerful that He will take you through these trials. Understand what your trials are about. Understand that God is in control. Understand that He will keep you through it. If your trial ends in death, it is an ultimate victory. We have an eternal hope. If we look on this earth, death is an end. Because we have hope in Christ, death is a beginning. Understand that. If we endure our trials, we will grow more spiritually. And the means through which we can endure is through a joyful attitude and understanding mind. Next time we will look at the rest. And at the end we can know that we're going to grow in wisdom. And we're going to end up glorifying God even more. And what an amazing thing to look forward to. I hope the desire is in each and every one of you. To want to live a life that glorifies God. To fulfill your created purpose. Like how we read in Ecclesiastes. To glorify God. And essentially we'll enjoy Him forever afterwards. just pray Heavenly Father we thank you so much that you are the Almighty God thank you that we know that no matter what happens no matter what trial we face for that we have been given everything through your scripture to know you to understand you for that we are able to see the promises that you have given us and Father, that through the Spirit that you have given us faith, that we can trust in you, the living, almighty God. That you are the one who are and always will be in control. And Father, when we are weak, we pray and ask that you will help us to once again discover who you are, to look forward. Father, help us to endure our trials. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us in our sanctification, that your name may be glorified in and through everything that we do. And no matter what we go through, we thank you in Jesus' name.